Today is the day we introduce you to Probate Plus. Nationwide. Today is Thursday, July 9th, 2020, and this is Mastermind Call number 286. We're going to do this a little bit differently instead of jumping right to our callers. We have something that we've been working on for longer than I want to admit, but way over a year, and we are finally rolling it out. And Chad, I'll let you take the lead on this. Today is the day we introduce you to Probate Plus. Uh, some of you guys, I'm sure, are in, on our beta testing and, and might know what that is. For, for those that don't, Probate Plus is kind of a system we built really like everything in this company. We allow the customers to really shape our business model. And one of the things that everybody has had an appetite for, most people, is having probate data with real estate information. But it's very inconsistent across the country on public record. Some courthouses do allow, do record real estate data, but a lot of them do not. So it's not something we can standardize. So we've built our own proprietary system that not only looks at what was owned by the decedent, but anything that was owned by any assets owned by the decedent. So, for example, we now find real estate held in trust, real real estate held in LLCs. And the system is looking at the county tax record and the MLS record in 3,143 counties nationwide. So rather than looking at your probate list and then looking in your MLS and at your GIS, finding out if they own real estate in one county, we're finding that we can find what they own in any county in the United States, even if it's held an entity or trust. And on testing, what we found is this, the whole, the whole intent of this was to help you focus your effort and your dollars on the one that are the best targets for you. I'm the guy that has told you for seven years not to scrub your probate list. I'm still here to remind, still call all of these leads. The average inheritance in the United States is $177,000. So the ones that do not have real estate or the ones that have sold the real estate, they're very likely to be your next buyer or they're very likely to be private money lenders for you or your investors. So this isn't to avoid a bunch of your leads. This is to focus your direct marketing dollars and focus your time on the funds on the ones that are most likely to convert first. So what we find is it cuts your overall marketing cost by about 45%, which cuts your campaign cost by about 15%, if you include the cost of the leads, the cost of marketing mail, the phone calls and everything. So it's a way for us to do an augmentation to give you a much higher quality data that nobody else in the country has or will have anytime soon, I'm sure, by cutting your cost and really focusing your effort. And you, you've got an email right before this call um, that has some FAQs, a page with a video you can actually go see. If you click click on that video, it will take you and show you exactly what Probate Plus is, which data it gives you, how you can use that, and uh, some frequently asked questions. So the pricing on this is $2 per lead. So if, we, if, if you have 100 leads, let's say it's a six-month-old list and 100 leads, and instead of because you just didn't get to them, you'd like to know which ones have real estate so you can focus on, you know, give it 100% focus to those. For $200, you will run the match in a pen and you'll figure out which ones own real estate. What I've found in testing is on average, in a lot of counties that I've tested, uh, the one like last night I was working with Palm Beach, Florida, and on average, each PR owned 1.82 properties. So we had 450 personal representatives or probate leads and 644 properties in that one month in one county. 
So we're only going to charge you at the lead level, not at the property level. So you're not going to be, if somebody has eight or ten properties, you're still going to pay a flat $2 fee for that data augmentation. So instead of paying $4.50 for three letters and then making the calls or paying somebody to make the calls, you can simply hit the easy button, find out how much real, what real estate they own, how much it's worth, if it's in pre-foreclosure, how much equity it has, uh, when it last transferred, if it's on MLS, you name it. There's over 200 fields of data that we will add just for the real estate in addition to all the people information. I think that's it. So you can you can learn more if you're a subscriber. Look under My Probate Leads. You'll see Get Probate Plus. If you're not a subscriber and you're listening to this, you can go to alltheleads.com forward slash probate plus spelled out. Not the plus sign, but probate P-L-U-S. And all the details are in both of those places. We're excited to offer this product out. We've been working real hard to get it done, and it's probably the best achievement that we've made since we started the company. So we're pretty excited about it. You will prosper from this. We're excited. Thank you all very much, and, and good job, Chad, in getting it done as well with the development team and all the rest of us. Yeah, and the only thing I was going to add, the reason it took us so long is all of us, and I think particularly Chad is a bit of a person perfectionist. We've had this and we've been playing with it for a long time. We finally got it to the point where it's accurate enough that we're comfortable to roll it out. And You know, data quality in determines data quality out. And no system in real estate is perfect. I think what's different about us is we're willing to admit that. What we found in beta testing is that of the real estate data returned, when we physically validate that against, against manually validate that, we find it's 92% accurate. And that's as close as we can get right now because of just humans are putting the, inputting the data at courthouses and then again into the big data system. So there will be errors. You will find them. When you're in each each lead detail page, you'll see two buttons. One is a bug report and the other is a feature request. So when you see a mistake, you can hit that bug report button and you can even, I've got it set up where you can leave a screenshot and show us exactly what you're seeing or you can explain it in text. But please, the more feedback we get from you on, on the bugs, like the problems and the feature requests, the things that you would really love to see because, and the more thorough you can be on the feature request, I would like to see X because I'm going to use it in these ways, A, B, C, D, E. So if we get, you know, if we see a, a common request, feature request that a lot of a lot of people are going to use, that's where we're going to move our development resources. And we're going to focus on letting, we're going to let you design the user interface from here on out. We've built you a basic tool and we've given you tools inside the system. So when you find mistakes, let us know. It's not going to hurt our feelings. We know it's not perfect. It's more, it's more art than science. And when you find something that once you start using it and get comfortable with it, if you say, man, if only it would do, then jump into the feature request and let us know what, what your appetite is, what you think it should do that it's not currently doing. We want to keep this clean and efficient, but we do appreciate any feature requests you might have. We've gotten it as perfect as we believe it's humanly possible to do so, and we want you guys to test it, report back to us, and we're super excited to uh, to be able to offer it. So having said that, we are 100% more accurate than any other data provider in the country. You will only only find this here. (laughs) All right. Well, we have 14 people in the queue. Uh, If we do nothing else but talk about that this week, that's fine. We also would like to hear your wins, your successes, your challenges. Anything you need help with this week, guys, it's an open forum, so please uh, hit star six and hit one, but I think we got enough to keep us busy for the whole hour right now. First up this week is phone number ending in 7989. You're up first. Oh, hi, Jim. Can you hear me? Yes, loud and clear. 
<laughs> okay, awesome. All right, this is Rosie Hare from Austin, Texas. Hey, Rosie. And, um, yes, okay. Hi, Chad. We just finished mastery. I'm super excited. Uh, I think this is a win, but I'll let you guys decide at the end. So I was determined uh, after our mastery call that I'm going to show up almost every week and either with a win or a fail as an accountability. And I made my probate calls and I booked in my first appointment for this Monday. And I would like to share with you guys to see if I can get some feedback or let me know where my shortcomings are. So I had this call. One of my team members told me that, Rosie, you should call this person because, uh, you know, they were a seller lead and we didn't do anything with them because he was like, oh, I'm going through probate. And I didn't know anything about it at that time. So we just followed back in. And um, so this is how the conversation went. The client's name was Doug. And I said, Doug, I'm reaching out to you because it has been brought to my attention that you're going through probate. And the reason for my call is that we have a team of folks that we have proactively put together here in Austin, Texas to help families going through probate. So you can imagine everything an attorney doesn't do, we do. And sometimes it may mean we can help you with providing a resource or two, or sometimes we basically do everything from start to finish. So what has been the hardest thing for you? And um, he kind of told me his long story, how happy he is and his current mindset. He likes the house. His mom passed away last year on the Mother's Day. And taxes are low uh, because of homestead and senior exemptions. Like, he's very happy there, right? I was like, okay. I asked him, I said, um, you know, Doug, I'm not sure if you will need my help. But I was just wondering if you could, you would find it beneficial to expedite the process. Because he told me during COVID, probate attorneys kind of slowed down and all that stuff. Uh, I said, just out of curiosity, do you have any other heirs? Uh, he said, no, I was the only son. I said, so have you considered monument of the will or monument of the title? Like, I was confused between the two words, so I said what I remembered. He said, no, I'd never heard of that. So I thought that like, it would not be a bad idea to get a second opinion because it can cost you so much less and we can probably go ahead and uh, get this process done so you can move on with the plan. And then, long story short, it all seemed like his emotion was, I told him, like, it seems like it's a valued asset, which uh, can make it very emotional process for you, and especially when you have memories of living with your mother and take care of her, and it sounds like you want to do it right by her, and uh, would you be opposed if I ask some more questions to see if there is some more options we can explore? And we talked, talked about and I kind of told him, like, look, if the probate transfers the title, your taxes could go up because your mom is not the uh, owner anymore. And that kind of did not sit well with him. And towards uh, the end, this is what he said. He said, Rosie, I had a lot of nails and you were hitting all of them. <laughs> and uh, I was like, okay. Um, then basically he asked for an appointment to meet. And I'm meeting him on Monday and he's scanning all the documents to me today. So first of all, did I guide him okay? And second, um, wh what could I have done better in future appointments so I can explore more opportunity and kind of pre-qualify lead a little bit more? So, guys, pay attention. This is what leadership is versus sales. And as, as a real estate professional, uh -huh. the leaders make the money. The salespeople chase commissions. And you took someone who said, I don't need your help, but you ran toward the obstacle. You found pain points. You found you, he doesn't know what he doesn't know. And you, were, you had the courage to go into that and show him things. And for anyone who's, who didn't understand, Rosie's in Texas. And there's, uh, this, this is only applicable for those of you in Texas. But monument of title will essentially allow the family to carve the real, real property out of the probate, which can make the process way more efficient and way less costly. And she has done her, she, she's focused on educating herself on her local market knowledge, her local probate knowledge, and was able to think on her feet and, and do that. So 
<clears throat> you took a lead that most people would have said, oh, can't help them, next, and you turned it into an appointment. And as he, as he begins to look at, you know, what he, as he begins to learn what he doesn't know, it sounds like he's moving down the path of probably letting you, letting you sell that property. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, he said that. Yep, he said that on the phone. Yeah, so you turned a no into a listing appointment, and I'm certain when you get there, that listing appointment, I mean, you're walking out with, like, be sure and take your blue pen because you're walking out with paperwork. So, I, I mean, based on everything based on everything you've told us, I, I can't really criticize you. I mean, you, I will say that you certainly paid attention and mastery, it sounds like. You did the right things in the mm -hmm. right order, and it, and it worked. So I don't. Uh, from what I from what I know, I don't see any improvement. You got the res the desired result, and someone in the community connected with someone who you're, you're going to improve his situation greatly. Thank you. And I would I feel like uh, it would be my responsibility to to kind of guide him how he can estate plan and uh, you know reinvest that money. So if you guys can guide me or let me know there's some local resources or Facebook groups I should be tapping into uh, to make myself more equipped, I would love to go that route as well. So Thank Rosie, you. I did I did introduce you to Scott Royal Smith, correct? Yes, I got his information and I reached out to them. Uh, I haven't been able to have a voice-to-voice -voice conversation, but I did leave the message with them. And I think um, I sent you an email about the cash buyer as well, uh, which I'm sure you had a lot on your hand with Provit Plus as well. So I will be reaching out to them as well. Yeah, so Scott will definitely be your resource in Austin to help you. Okay. Scott is, for just for context, Scott is... A friend of mine who's oh, a very savvy real estate investor attorney, and in probate mastery, you know, okay. we we talk a lot about turning these leads into private money leads, like how to how to generate capital for your next transaction with your current client. Okay. So Scott will be the one that'll help you structure the the owner the uh, excuse me the the private financing, and then as far as estate planning oh. attorneys. Uh, I would ask okay. him who he recommends as as a real estate savvy estate planning attorney. He would be a really good person to Got get it. that referral from. Got it. Seems like Scott can open up the doors to a lot of other people that I'm looking for. Um, I'm glad to hear that. I'll take that conversation further. Thank you, Chad. Hey, Rosie, call back next week and let us know when you get the listing, please. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right. Great job. Next up is an old friend of ours. I don't mean in age, but I mean in uh, in time time wise. Jim Forsythe, you're up next. Uh, age as well, course. Jim. Well, yeah. both. Then I didn't want to. I didn't want to lead with that though. Uh, hey, Jim Forsythe. Well, uh, hey, Jim. Do what? Yeah, you man. can have probate plus. You can have probate plus today and every day from now on. <laughs> uh, uh, I got that fairly early this morning. Yes. You would have a chance to uh, be in the middle of it. And uh, just to let everybody know, uh, I was one of the uh, first beta testers and working with Chad, and we did try to pick this thing apart, and he's done a great job in putting it uh, all together. Uh, I First of all, uh, Jim, I tell Tim, it was either Tim or Tom said, y'all said 2%. I heard 92% every time. So just to – yeah. I, I did too. I did too. But uh, yeah, it must they, be the individual. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> gotta put their gotta yeah. put their hearing aids in then, right? Thanks, Jim. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Um, two two questions, Chad. Uh, we were discussing search options when we were doing the beta testing. Is that something that you're still looking at down the road? 
It is. So what we decided, we basically build software the way colleges build sidewalks. So a lot of major universities, if you notice, like UNC, University of North Carolina is the most profound example, I think. If you look at an aerial photo, their sidewalks are crazy abstract, and it's because they build the campus and plant the grass, and then let everybody else walk, and then the next semester they pave the sidewalks. And that's something Tim, Tim kind of taught me. But we're, you know, we built a foundational tool that is, is good enough to use right now, and we know it can be better. And in, in the lead detail view of every single lead, you'll see the two buttons. You'll see the bug report and the feature request. So anything that, that's like from here, what we want to do is find out, because we have such a diverse customer base. We have investors, we have realtors, we have appraisers. Um, we want to see how you guys are using it. And like for Jim, yours is notated. For example, one of the things that I, that we have already done for you, Jim, if you notice what wasn't there in beta testing is you can now sort by out of market properties and you can, you can sort and filter. So we, that was thanks to you. You were the inspiration for that because Jim is working multiple markets, one of which is mainly vacation homes. Um, so there's things that we already changes we already know we're going to make our improvements, but we want to see what the common requests are. Like how, like what are the what are the what like we're going to let you guys prioritize the features, uh, the future features. Well, that, to let everybody know, this is just as robust uh, as anything they've ever seen, and uh, one of the big uh, things to me is going to be the out of market uh, properties. And I'm just looking at one, and I think I had 70 leads that month, and about 15 of them had uh, out-of-market properties. And so nothing else. You can contact one of your people that you work with in that market, have them working it, and anyway, referrals going to be a big deal. The other thing, and where we're uh, the next the next iteration of that for you, Jim. <laughs> this really, uh-huh. it, I mean, you're the, you're the inspiration. One of the changes that we already know we're going to make is when you when you filter your list by out of market, you can simply click a button and it will download uh, PDF uh, referral agreements. So you for those 15 properties, you can literally click a button, hit print, and you'll have 15 referral agreements sitting on your print on your printer with signature boxes. So you can immediately the first step of your process before you start prospecting is print off your referrals, send them out to agents in those market, and then hit the phones. And the idea is to, to you know, we're, we're showing you guys what they own out of market. So why not monetize those opportunities? And that should become part of your prospecting workflow is to go look at the out-of-market opportunities, connect with agents and all the leads mastermind. We have over 10,000 people in our Facebook community. So you should be able to find a qualified agent who is part of this conversation, who knows how to handle that lead at the same level of service that you would. So why not go through as your, the first step of your each month and say, okay, it looks like I've got 20 referrals to send out. Now I'm going to jump on the phone. So we, we'll eventually get to a point where we can basically automate that for you. So it will spit out the referral agreements and you can just pass them along to your agents. Right. And with our company, uh, I just go in particular part of our website click on that area and I'll find half a dozen people as well in addition to our, all the leads people. And the other question I had for you, uh, I, I might probably just misunderstood this when we were working the beta testing. Uh, I thought we'd be able to go back and pull the old records that, and they wouldn't have as many leads, but 
from what I saw in your uh, uh, video you did, it has to be where we've eliminated them through the calling process. So, uh, not necessarily through the calling process. You can so just for example, like let's say you want to you want to run a list that you first got like six months ago that's never had Probate Plus ran on it. You would go right. through, and now that there's a in the option status tab at the lead level, you can go in and exclude from Probate Plus. So you can go back through your old list and look at your notes and say, okay, I don't uh, I don't want to run this one again. It's not worth the two dollars. Open the option right. status tab, click exclude, click save, and then go to the next one. So you you will have to go this time. You'll have to go through those old old lists and do the opt out manually because we don't know which ones to opt out. We we don't want to cost you opportunity. So that's work you or your team will have to do. And then when you get to the the order form where you order Probate Plus for that list, you'll actually see. Right. So let's say there's a hundred leads on the list, but you opted out seventy five. In the order form, you're going to see you know Polk County, Florida, thirty twenty five leads. So it's only going right. to pull the one. You're only going to be charged for the ones that are not opted out. So, but but right now, you know, because it's an older list and it's a new product, you will have to go opt them out manually before you order your your augmentation on that old list. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, just thanks to everybody. Uh, it's, it looks great, and I've got three people uh, ready to get started on it. And Jim, I was just going to add something. I think. I think you and I talked about this briefly, but the the beauty of this is we talk all the time about how valuable the old leads are. The older they get, the more valuable they are because they're finally ready to do something. So in that scenario that Chad just mentioned, if you go back six months and 25 of them are still available, now you can save that list, the, the ones that are available, and six months from then or three months from then, you can go back and market right. to those 25, and there might only be 12. And it's your your campaign is going to get continually cheaper, and you probably should just put it on autopilot to do that every three to six months. Yes. And we're going to also have better mailing pieces since it's you know the the quantity of mailings is going to be lower. You can afford you can certainly afford to send them a nicer, more high impact piece. You know, when you do send them out, you know, for, for the historical. But yeah, there's so many different ways we can use this, and you're you're one of the first that um, we we thank you for beta testing it and kind of pointing us in the right direction. We appreciate it. Hey, it is my pleasure. And just just so everybody knows, uh, maybe I was the one that worked on Chad to talking about real estate. Finally got him back to just real estate a little bit. You know, I know he said still call them all, but. He and I have gone back and forth about that ever since we've been working with you. <laughs> All right. Tell them about, tell them, tell them about your $12,000 yeah. mistake. <laughs> I don't want to talk uh -huh. about that one now. <laughs> <laughs> you accidentally made twelve grand because you didn't listen to me. Yeah, yeah. You guys yeah, have a wonderful day. Thanks for being here, Jim. All right. Thank you, Jim. All right, next up is phone number ending in 1583. You're up next. Hey, my name is Travis Moss. I'm out of Atlanta, Georgia. Um, I've been listening to you call, and it's been wonderful. I finally made my calls um, this week, and I just wanted to say um, the system is phenomenal. I mean, it was amazing. I was scared at first, but um, the process with how um, you and Chad have been kind of teaching us how to um, – come about when we first answer the phone and it's been phenomenal. And anytime somebody do be angry in the beginning, 
how we express, how we are kind of helping them, I mean, it relaxes them so much. But I do have, like, two, three questions I want to ask. Um, the first sure. question I want to ask, if I'm talking to somebody and, 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 and uh, I, I don't see it my USP, and they state to me that there's no real estate, there's no real estate in the probate, and then so I got stuck on the first one. How do I go about still providing value if there's no real estate? Yeah, so first understand what your opportunity is here. So you have two opportunities. One, you can turn them into a referral or you can turn them into an outbound referral that will eventually turn into an inbound referral for you. With a registered investment advisor, with an estate planning attorney, you can ask this person, you know, you can continue to provide value to them by, by seeing if they have their own estate plan. And if they don't, you can refer them to your the, the estate planning attorney on your team. You can ask them if they know what they're going to do with the inheritance. Statistically, the average American inherits, uh, the average estate, the family will inherit $177,000. So you can refer them to a registered investment advisor to, to understand the tax implications of the inheritance, which there aren't many, um, but also what they can do to, instead of spending the wealth, investing the wealth. So should they set up long-term care plans for themselves? Should they have 529 college plans for their children? So there's a difference between spending the inheritance and investing the inheritance. And if you can help them start plant that seed and get them to start thinking that way. So you can offer them an hour with an estate planning attorney to make sure they never have to go through this again. Offer them an hour with your registered investment advisor so they can know what their options are for investing the, the inheritance rather than spending it. You can also get them over to your real estate attorney who can help who the, the three of you can get on a call and you can turn them into a private money lender. So you can show them how they can make, you know, 10 to 15% on their money secured by a first position lien on real estate in their market. So it's one of the most secure investments you can ever make and one of the highest returns you'll ever get. Um, so there's three really distinct opportunities for the ones that do not have real estate. You turn them into referrals and you can turn them into a bank so they can fund your next deal or your investor's next deal. And you essentially just create a cycle of transactions. Those registered investment advisors, the, the estate planning attorneys, they can't directly solicit for business the way that we do because of anti-solicitation laws in their industry. So we can bring them qualified, ready-to-speak referrals. And what do you think happens the next time they talk to someone about that has a real estate need? You're you're the only person they're thinking about. So we're opening those. We're creating relationships with value, or we're reinforcing relationships with the value of the referrals. And we're helping those people, even though they might not think they don't need help from a real estate professional. We can provide value to them, and that creates future opportunities for us. Okay, great, great. And that's why I got stuck at, all right? So I had 30 leads. I had 30 leads um, in my um, portal this month, and I just made the all 30 calls between the day and yesterday. Now, I had a couple people call me back. I got stuck with this here. When people call me back, how – and, okay, I got the Google voicemail. If they don't say their name and they don't leave a voicemail, I only see the number. How do I know who I'm speaking to? Is there a way I can, like – um, typing a number or something on the portal. No, you know, man, I used to I used to struggle with that too. Like I built a database that was you know quickly searchable, and I always wanted to know who I was on the phone with before it rang or while it was ringing. And eventually, I got to a point where I was so wrapped around the axle before I picked up the call or before I made the call that I was just distracted, and my skill set was dull. Right. 
So my advice to you is just let go of the need to, to, to know everything before you pick up the phone. Just pick up the phone and say, hey, uh, this is Chad. I, I missed a call from this number, but I didn't get a voicemail. And then be absolutely silent. And it can be a little bit awkward in the beginning. They might not know, you know, but they, they might not know who you are either. But just feel your way through the conversation. Don't try to deduce too much. I found that I wasted more time trying to figure out who I was calling than, than I did when I just picked up the phone and just hit it head on. So I would say just change your mindset a little bit. You don't have to know everything before you call back. Um, and just call and, and just be human. You know, listen, I missed a call from okay. this number. Uh, you know, and when they say, who is this? Like, oh, my name is Chad. I, you probably called me because I, I left messages for everyone in, in the Cab County or wherever you are. I left messages for every family in the county that's going through probate. Uh, we have a team of people that help families going through probate. And we, you know, as part of that, we go meet with the clerk each month and make sure that we've reached out to the family so they know we're here in the community. Is, are, you, are you representing an estate? And then, boom, you're in. Okay. I. So uh, if you call a number and, and they don't answer, how many times do you sit there and call the same number before you uh, move on or before you follow up like another week? So how many times do you call the same number consecutive to the answer? So it's, it, it, you know, you never know. People People don't like to answer the phone these days. So just because they're not answering right now doesn't mean they don't need your help or they won't they won't work with you. Uh, in probate, some people just lock down for months, and that's why the historical and the old list are so valuable because sometimes for the first – it's really just based on their psychology and their behavior, but sometimes families will just be completely in probate quicksand and locked down for two, three, four months. So the the, the answer most people don't like to hear, but, but if you really want to get the results like David Pinnell – who's doing over a million dollars a year in revenue on one county, it's because he continues to call those numbers aggressively for 12 months. He sticks with them for a year. So uh, the, the answer is continue calling until you speak to whoever owns that phone and find out if they need your help or not. I get that there's okay. budgetary and, and bandwidth issues, but I, I didn't compliment you because you jumped right into your question. You got your leads a day ago, and you've already called all 30. Good for you, man. Like, that's the kind of grit that, that, that will make you successful in this. Like, and if, if you have the bandwidth to do that in a day, I'm guessing you, have, you can do it next week, and you can do it the week after that, and you can do it the week after that. So my best advice to you, if, if this is a big focus, like if this is an important pillar in your business, getting this built, call the, keep calling them every week until you speak to them or until you can't, until you don't have the bandwidth anymore. Okay. So when you make the initial call, you only call them like maybe one time and then you'll call next week and then next week, but, but not back to back. It all depends. So if you're if you're leaving voicemail, you don't want to call every day and leave voicemail every day because that can be counterproductive. You you can become a thorn in their side. But like David Pinnell, and if you haven't watched that video, he he was generous enough to let us look behind the curtain and share his sequence. If you search in in all in alltheleads.com in the top right, there's a global search bar. Put in P A N N E L L. And look, look for the uh, the case study that that David Pinnell and I did like an hour long video, and what he was doing at that time. And we he just got back from vacation. We're going to do another one probably next week. We'll update that like he, we did it a year ago. 
But um, what he was doing at that time was calling every day for the first seven days. They would leave voicemail on the first call, and then each day they would follow up. And from there, it goes into a monthly sequence. So he's not quite the, he's not so aggressive that he calls them every day for the first year. But for the first week, he does call every day. And so they send a letter, call every day for a week, and then give them some space, and then start on, like, I think it was a biweekly call schedule. But he, you know, David is, is a lot of the deals he's getting, he's been speaking with for four to six months. And so he's, he's very good with follow-up, and that's why he's in the seven-digit club. Okay. And one more. Um, I had an objection that uh, kind of confused me at the beginning, but I think I did finally um, get it going. I stuck with a few, and, um, and it was amazing. But if I can hit you, um, if you get a – we got a handle objection – what would be one of your first kind of responses that just come to your mind? So, uh, I was waiting. You, or, do you want to role play? Well, no. Well, I, I, know this, I know this is a mastermind, right, so it's not role play. But if you, if I can, I will. Yeah, jump in. We'll, do, I, we'll keep it as short as we can. Okay. So I'm, okay, so I, I beat the uh, – I beat the – I call you. Okay. No, you call me. You call me. Well, tell me where the objection came out. We don't have time to do a full role play. Is it when you were okay. trying to so, set so the appointment they, or when they first picked up? Yeah, so soon I go to my USB, and soon I get done with my USB, then I ask them um, if there's anything that I could take out their hands today, what, what would it be? And then they say, well, you know what? Um, actually, we got it all handled. I mean, I, all of it is done. Okay. Well, listen, that's great. I mean, a lot of families we speak with are proactive, and they, they do have the simpler estates especially. They get a lot of things done very quickly. So it's, it's, I'm actually happy to hear that because most families do struggle with this. Um, one of the things that I notice a lot of families that, that they kind of miss, and unfortunately the attorneys don't help them, you know, having been through this, you know, would you, would you ever want to go through it again? Okay. Okay. Well, so, where I was, no. you, I was I was I was going to well, I, well, in the interest of time, I was going to feel you out to see if you had an estate plan. Can I at least turn you into a referral? But as I give you that value, I'm going to start to ask other questions like, oh, well, tell me, you know, what what was so like, tell me about how it went with you guys. Like once you respond to me and I can give you some value, then I'm going to start to ask you questions about how the experience was. You're very, you're more likely than not to show me a few chinks in your armor, things that you've overlooked that, that I can help you with. And the other thing, if they, uh, that, that oftentimes is a pattern to run people off because they aren't ready to make a decision. They would rather procrastinate than move forward just because of their mindset. But when they feel safe, they'll very quickly move forward, just like what you heard in the beginning of this, this, this call. So I, I want to I want to use that to try to keep them on the phone. I'm going to run toward them, and, and I want to keep them on the phone and get as much information as I can. So can I turn them into a referral, even if they hang up, like, or even if, if if I don't, you know, get any more information about the estate? Can I get can I get a referral over to my estate planning attorney and earn one back in return, hopefully? And what's likely to happen is as you as you show them that value and you ask them some questions about well you know listen what like what what would be the the advice that that I should give ha having already gone through this what do you think is some good advice I could give to my clients based on what you learned in the process like tell me about what the process was like for you guys and and you don't seem stressed at all and I'd like to learn from that if you don't mind sharing 
and then you've you've painted them into a corner. If they if they lied to you to just run you away, you're saying, hey, so I can provide value to other families in the community. What can they learn from you? Why was this so easy? And what you're very likely to find out is they don't have everything done, and they are carrying some stress. They just didn't know and trust you. They didn't see enough value to share that with you. That's vulnerability, and you hadn't earned it yet. So you can do things like that to get more details, which will show you more opportunities where you can step in and provide value. Wow. I'm going to go back and listen to that again. That was amazing. <laughs> now, last thing, um, that was amazing. Um, so now, my team, yesterday, um, like yesterday, I made about um, 15 calls. I was very scared in the beginning. Finally, when I stuck with my fears and um, I did it, man, it was amazing. And my 10th call, I got a cash um, appointment. I got an appointment today at 3 o'clock. Um, she said that she's just done with it. She don't, even, she don't want to clean it up. She don't want to have no steps. Come on. She don't want none of that stuff. She just want to sit like it is and be done with it. So I got my agreement here uh, put together, and she said that she she want me to come over. And my plan is to go over uh, to get it signed with a um you know with a purchase sale agreement and host it a deal. So yeah, I got appointment at three o'clock, and um and actually uh, it's it's value on the on the um market fair market value anyway with the, with the county for seventy five thousand, and she's stating right now that she only want forty five. So anyway, it go it look, it looks like it might be a deal for me. So I'm very excited awesome. about that. And it's today at three o'clock. That's awesome, man. So like, good, like I said, good good for you for jumping on your first list and, and pushing through the fear and you're what, what, you probably make fifteen grand on that deal. Man, you know what I'm gonna tell you, I mean I I'm gonna say if I if I make ten, I'm gonna have the roof. All right, well, ten grand that's not a bad day's work. So good for you, man. Way to, way to way to way to take action. Right, hey, great job. Hey, I was going to add real quick to your second question. We talk about this a lot, but if you are calling people 9 to 5 Monday through Friday, try them three, four, five times. And then what I used to do is after I tried them several times, I'd, I'd try maybe on a Wednesday night or a Saturday morning. So don't be afraid to vary your call time. Sometimes it is that they're just not ready to deal with it now, but sometimes it's just that they just don't aren't able to take calls during regular business hours. So play around with varying your call times also. Make sense? All right. Make sense. All right. Thank you so much. Good stuff. Next up is a familiar name. Aileen, you're up next. Hello. Hi. Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you so much. Um, I just, I'm really excited to see my email today with the probate plus, um, being able to be on the, on the beta testing. Um, I had the opportunity to have, you know, some of my list um, with the probate plus, and I just wanted to add to it that um, one, when I was going over the list and seeing all the options, one of them being the valuation, I had had an appointment um, that I scheduled, and I quickly, it was a very last-minute appointment of somebody that I was trying to get an appointment with, and I jumped on the list and I was able to look at the valuation and just check a bunch of few things just from the probate plus. And with that, I felt like I went armored to the appointment in a different way than I had been before. Because, you know, when we do a CMA or we check and we look at other properties that are on the market, it's different than the way a property's been appraised. Um, and because of that, I got the appointment right away. And she had said to me on the call, you know, I'm not ready to sign today. 
um, when you come, it's really just for you to come over, see the house, and then you can give me your idea of what you think is valued at, and we can talk further. But because I felt kind of that extra boost of confidence, I went in in, in a totally different way. So I totally appreciate it and see the value of it, and um, I was like super excited to see it off the ground. So good for you guys on that. Um, and uh, yeah, ab no, absolutely. And you know what? And I get the extra dollar every every dollar counts with leads, and um, I appreciate how you mentioned you know going back to older leads that you can take take the ones you know you need and leave the other ones behind if it doesn't make sense. Um, you know that's a that's a great option. So, but I I do think that there's great value, and I come from the school of I don't scrub my leads. I just call everybody because you never know. Sometimes it's that last number, and I've had it where that was the one that got me to the right person. A lot of the times we think it's the first number, or the second number. Um, but even with that, I think that the West there's so much valuable information now. Um, so, so I do I do think that that's um, awesome, and and I really appreciate listening to everybody because now I'm realizing how valuable it is for me to start recreating the relationships with attorneys again um, and being able to tell them the information that I have and really using them as a resource. Um, so as I'm listening to the call today, um, which I haven't been on the call in so long, um, I'm, I'm putting together a letter to one of the attorneys that I've, you know, given a lot of business to and worked with. and you know, being able to say how much, you know, I can I can bring, you know, how much I can offer. So I just wanted to share my appreciation. Yeah. Thank, Thank you so you much. much. Thank All you, right. I'm Next up. Something, uh, Go I'm ahead, Bruce. I'm going to say something really quickly, Jim, about, uh, about Aline. Um, we've been on the phone a handful of times here recently, and um, uh, one thing that I, that I have noticed about Aline is she – She's pretty successful with these leads, and the majority of that success comes from not being afraid to pick the phone up. Um, so, so often we talk to people that if they're struggling, it's, it's very frequently due to, due, due to an unwillingness to call. And just from phone calls, she, she sets a whole lot of appointments, guys, and, and so I, there's, there's power in, in picking the phone up. Yep. Absolutely. Well said. All right. Next up is phone number ending in 3780. You're up next. Hey, guys. This is Rob from San Francisco. Uh, finished mastery last week. Um, uh, I have, I've got two, uh, I got one probate, one trust. Uh, I was calling because I'm thoroughly confused about the trust, but I just got some clarity from my client. Um, it's three cousins. They keep saying that one of the three is the executor, but they're also telling me it's a trust. And I don't think those two words go together, right? <laughs> um, if they're an ex executor, I assume it's probate. If they're a trust, they've got to be a trustee. Um, and uh, well, so I was... Was, anyway, was, this, was this an outbound effort? So they were on your probate list or they call, they found you? No. Uh, so it is an agent-to-agent -agent referral. Uh, an okay. agent in my company asked if anybody in my area could help uh, with an estate sale. 
And uh, okay. I was in the middle of mastery, and I said, I'm certified. <laughs> so I, I'm getting a million-dollar listing thanks to your course. Nice. So the reason I ask, if it, if it was on the probate record, then your assumption should immediately be that even though there's a trust, it wasn't properly funded. And what I mean by that, a lot of times, including like Steve Jobs and Walt Disney, they will establish a lot of times even offshore irrevocable trusts. But they'll, let's say, you know, Steve Jobs might have done that in the 90s. And then when he passed away, he had bought another house or an RV or, you know, another server farm or something that never got properly titled or funded into the, the irrevocable trust. Well, in that case, when he passes away, he has to probate anything over in your state, hundred and I think it's $150,000, requires probate. So you might have 99% of assets are held in trust and are not subject to probate, but that one thing that was left out, a house or an RV or, you know, a, a, you know, a financial account, um, whatever that asset is, if it's, if it's a worth more than the small estate exemption in your state, then even though they have the trust, they still have to probate the estate for that, for the assets that weren't properly funded into the trust. And unfortunately, that's all too common. Um, you know, not all estate planning attorneys are created equal. And even if they do a great job, families don't always listen. They may go buy things and never even, never even consider that they bought it in the name of John Doe, not the John Doe Irrevocable Trust. So that's oftentimes what happens. It's very common in the Bay Area because people move fast and, you know, they, they pay an attorney to do it and they operate their whole lifetime on the assumption that they have this seamless estate plan and then their, their kids find out that something was left out. So that's probably what you're dealing with. There probably is both a, a there's probably a trustee, but there's also a, a an, an administrator. So you're not saying that the things in the trust will also have to be probated. You're just saying the the things that didn't get put into a trust. So they've got to do both. That's correct. They get, they get the, but the, okay. That's right. But the beauty of this is the social the social aspects of a trust are the same as probate. So they feel the same pressures, the same pains. They just don't need the court to tell them what to do. There's, it's, it's way more efficient because there's no court oversight. So you can build a relationship with the trustee and the beneficiaries and help them in the same way that you do by building a relationship with a probate attorney and a personal representative. It's, it's basically that all, all the social motivations are the same. It's just a way more efficient process and trust, and it's way less expensive. Yeah, I had my listing appointment two days ago, and, and uh, exactly what you just described is what's going on there. So my big question in general, because uh, I had this with, I've, I've, I've got a past client with a probate. What am I supposed to be asking for as proof to find out, you know, whether it's probate, whether it's uh, trust sale, and uh, including, you know, signing authority to sign a listing agreement? Uh, what paperwork should I be asking for? Well, with probate, the, the, the document that gives them the authority and the power is, is the letters of testamentary. And they'll get okay. that at their confirma the confirmation hearing. And, you know, before COVID, by the time we, we made contact with them, they almost always had that, right? But because we do have some judicial backlog now, there, there are people sitting waiting for their confirmation hearing. So there can be a delay in it. If, if you do go on an appointment and they don't have the, the authority, they haven't gotten the letters, you can always move to a letter of intent. 
and you can sit down with your broker or if you are the broker, make a letter of intent to list or a letter of intent to sign exclusive right to, to represent, whatever whatever you want to title that, but a letter of intent to list and a letter of intent to sale, to sell. And we know that they're not legally enforceable contracts. However, they are mental commitments. And, you know, we're well-conditioned little Americans. When we sign something, we know that we put our name on the line, and that means something. And we don't want to risk finding ourselves in a courtroom. So, you know, don't. I'm not not saying that you should threaten these people, but just based on their their conditioning as as a U.S. citizen, you know that when they sign something, they feel like they made a commitment, and that will help insulate you against any any uh, competition that might be coming in behind you. Okay, I think that's great advice. So it's funny because I, I had the big question of being confused over executor and trustee. And while I was uh, waiting um, on the call, I got a text from from the um, trustee. Uh, Good morning, Rob. I have my possession, durable power of attorney for the property of blank blank, also revocable trust agreements, all of which name me the attorney in fact and trustee. I also have both of their death certificates. So my question is, which of those do I need? And... Uh, which do I send over to an escrow officer? So you'll need them all to close the chain of title because the death, the death certificates will prove that there were, the death occurred, and then the POA and the trust agreement will, will prove that that person has the authority to sign on the behalf of the deceased. So he's, he's referencing all the relevant documents that you need, that the title company will need to issue the binder. Okay. All right. And, and then it's, far as signing the listing agreement, um, is there one in particular I, I need? One listing agreement or one document? Uh, yeah, I, I guess what I'm asking is, I mean, he's sending me images of this, which is great, um, but if I want proof that he really is who he says he is, the trustee that can sign a listing agreement, which of these documents do I need to see? So the trust agreement will, will designate him as the trustee. And then, you know, the power of attorney would also be helpful there. Those two are both relevant for your broker. Okay. All right. Uh, I guess that's all my questions. Yeah. Good questions. Jim, you still there? Yes, sir. Uh, next up is phone number ending in 9537. You're up next. All right. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Very loud and clear. Okay, awesome. Thanks. My name is Mike from Pennsylvania. My question is about uh, the do not call registry. I know we talked, or it was touched on uh, in the past, but just want to get some clarity on it. A lot of the numbers seem to have the asterisk denoting that it is part of the registry. Of course, I call them anyway. Um, my question is, I'm upping my game. I want to do some neighboring counties and kind of really ramp this up. Um, by doing that, I'm going to increase my exposure, I think. Um, should I be concerned at all, or is there anything that I could do to mitigate exposure? Is it, or is it something I really shouldn't be worried about as, as you know, not a large corporate telemarketing company? So typically, as a, as a solo practitioner, you have very limited uh, risk. You have the same liability, like, you know, you're just, you, you know, they could come after you, but... Attorneys who, who look for these things are more likely to go after call centers because they know that if they can turn it into a class. So we probably have had, I don't know, between six and seven million outbound calls made 
to personal reps from our data, like from all of our customers. And I'm only aware of one single occurrence of a complaint, and it wasn't even a formal complaint. There was an attorney in the Southern District of New York that actually called one of our prospect or one of our customers and said, hey, a family called me and, and said that you had called them and they're on do not call. Please don't do that. And they didn't even bother sending an email or writing a letter. It was just a simple mm -hmm. verbal kind of a warning. So I don't think you have a whole lot of exposure. Um, if you if you want to mitigate risk, I mean, the only the only real way to, you know, you have an LLC, that LLC, I'm assuming, do you have an entity? Well, I do it as both. I'm an agent and an investor, so I just kind of play it on, you know, depends on how it goes. But yes, I do have a, an LLC for so my investment company. The phone, the phone that you're using, make sure that your LLC is paying for that phone bill. And like so, that's property of that company. And make sure that you have an umbrella policy that that protects you. And as an agent, obviously you have E and O insurance. Um, that's kind of the first level of security. If you if you have a lot of assets, like if you're concerned about being drugged into a class action suit, and let's say you have over a million dollars in net worth, I would suggest that you look at things like trusts, um, a South Dakota trust, a Wyoming trust, or if you want to go to the top level of security. You can set up an offshore trust in Nevis with Swiss bank accounts, and like even even if you ever would get pinched, nobody can touch you in those jurisdictions. Gotcha. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I mean, one of the things I thought is, you know, I haven't been questioned about it at all or anything, but it's just, you know, my approach is more along the lines like, you know, my opening line is, hey, uh, just following up to see if you got the letter. You know, and it's kind of more of a personal back and forth. I don't think that I'm viewed as a telemarketer in the traditional sense. So I'm, so I'm not well, you know, I'm I, really I overly say this. We, Subscribers, like, so we have had opinions from attorneys and from attorney generals that this isn't a solicitation phone call, therefore it's not a direct violation of, of DNC because you're calling to offer a service. You're not, you're not mm -hmm. calling to solicit them. And the other part of that opinion is because they are at least in a temporary window, they are a public representative of an estate that was a matter of public record. Oh, that has not been tested in the courtroom. Thankfully, it's never never been necessary. But we have we have gotten legal opinions that this is not a direct solicitation and is not in violation of DNC. But as a call center, we have a different level of liability and we have more assets to protect. So we push that data through to you guys for free because we just find any way we can bring value to you that we can. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. All right. Well, that is the last caller. I guess half the people that were in there probably had questions about probate plus again, if you do have questions uh, while we're on this call, I think we got about a half a dozen here at the office. Um, Feel free to call us uh, if you would first go to alltheleads.com forward slash probate plus. Chad did a great 12-minute video that will really explain everything. And if you watch that first before you call us, it would be very helpful, you know, for both of us to have a better conversation. So, guys, thank you. I want to end this call the way I always do. I want to thank each and every one of you for being here. I want to particularly thank those who actively participated. And I want to challenge each of you. Take one idea, one thought, one thing that expired, that in, inspired you, not expired you, one thing that inspired you on this call, go out and put it into practice, and please come back next Thursday and share your results with the group. Stay healthy, stay productive, and we look forward to talking to you same time next Thursday. Take care.